0: Good evening, and welcome to Conversations with Crystal. I am your hostess, Crystal, and this evening we are joined by the delightful Christina Crofts. Good evening, Christina, and how are you this evening?
1: Hi, Crystal. I'm great. Thank you so much for having me on this um, this program.
0: Thank you so much for coming on. I'm very, very excited. Uh, because I've seen you quite some time ago uh, on Facebook and the things that you've posted about your music and playing as well mm-hmm. and, you know, you were very inspiring to me as a woman and a guitar player oh. <laughs> because there's not too many female guitar players around. I'm sure there's some mm-hmm. but certainly not that have the status that you do.
1: Oh well, I'm, I'm glad that's the way it comes across. I mean, as far it's to me personally, at the moment, it feels like the world is dripping with really good guitar female guitar players. But um, I guess they're on a, another level, and usually overseas. And Australia does have some pretty um, notable female guitar players. So um, but I'm happy to be considered as one of them, if that's so to be.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, absolutely. Now, Christina, I'd just like to ask because. You know, it's always interesting to me, females, it's mainly a male-dominated world, really, guitar playing and singing and guitar playing and a female having her own band. How have you found that when you've started and the journey throughout time to now? Do you think that it's easier for women to break into the industry uh, the way you have originally or is it harder was it harder back then
2: Mm,
1: I think it's probably broader now and maybe maybe a bit more acceptable it wasn't when I started it was a long long time ago but um there were probably a lot less female players out there but I didn't I didn't run into too much, um, I suppose, difficulty. Or, I mean, you probably will always meet guys and maybe even girls who are a bit on the threatened or jealous side and don't want to know about you. you know, I, I, the worst, most stupid thing that ever happened to me was I auditioned for a band and they said, "Oh, I, well, I rang to audition for a band. And he said, oh, no, I couldn't have a female in my band. My girlfriend would kill me. So
0: that was one <laughs> of... Oh, ass- isn't that interesting?
1: <laughs> I thought, oh, okay, whatever. But um,
0: probably the most annoying
1: thing was the patronising assumption that you should just be in a girl band and don't try to play too well, just be a gimmicky and do, you know, dress nice and do this and do that. Um, I took myself fairly seriously when I first started out and really wanted to be taken seriously as a guitar player, you know, so that stuff really irked me.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you find that that kind of patronisation and that opposition, did that make you buckle down and work harder to become even better?
1: Yeah, it did. Um, I mean, I yeah, I was... Pretty much dedicated to, to learning. I uh, probably, you know, it takes you a while to get to where you are, like obviously. But I was auditioning originally for rhythm parts in bands because I didn't sort of have that much um, lead playing. And, um, but, you know, like there were lots of people that were totally enthralled with having a, a female guitar player in the band. So it was probably equally weighted, I think, you know, as, as much as you got some, I suppose, jerks for want of a better word. But, mm-hmm. You know, and I had people that would, you'd audition with them and say, oh, I'm sorry, but I'm just way ahead of you on guitar. So, you know, I don't think we can do anything together. <laughs> that sort of oh, wow. But, yeah. uh, you know, I, I was having guitar lessons from my late husband, Steve, back then um, in the early 80s. And, it, you know, if I ever relayed any of those stories to him, because he was 150% committed to anyone being able to play. And he was actually very supportive of female musicians in general. So that's wonderful. It, he thought, you know, he thought it was just amazing. So he always just told me to tell people to just drop off if they, you know, said stupid things like that. So
0: yeah, so got... he was your inspiration for becoming a guitar player, or did you want to do that earlier but yeah. didn't know how?
1: No, I wanted to do it earlier. Um, goes back to when probably I was really young, like my first inspiration was in, in terms of guitar was Creedence Clearwater Revival. I was probably oh, yeah. maybe about 11 or something when I would hear songs like Looking Out My Back Door. And I can remember asking my mum, I said, oh, I love that that instrument. What is that? And strangely enough, my mum said, oh, I think it's a Dobro or a slide guitar. And I thought, oh, it's so cool, you know. And I was so into that band and I fell in love with Green River and Born on the Bayou. Mm. You
2: know,
1: a 10 or 11 year old girl but that was my thing swampy blues rock and i it was that that wanted me to so i sort of I, I would say john fogarty is one of my earliest earliest influences but i didn't really actually even then didn't sort of equate him to being a guitar player as such but it was just the music and I, it all worked for me and that that's where I, I and then probably more seriously bands like bad company and pink floyd like mm-hmm. i Mm-hmm. I remember hearing the solo to "Time," which is one of Pink Floyd's when whenever that was back in the seventies, and I went, "It was." I don't know. It was just so passionate, and I thought, "I don't know what that is, but I've got to be able to do it."
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'd actually forgotten that you're such a great slide player. Oh, <laughs> um, because I think that that's what actually drew me to you originally was that I watched you play slide, oh, wow. and I thought to myself wow, a woman can do that, <laughs> you know, wow. Yeah, well, there
1: <laughs> are. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, like I suppose it's, it's I don't know, I, I love slide playing. I just uh, always have, but I, I, I love all guitar playing. But that's just something that kind of just became my thing, I suppose. Like it, it's often what people take most notice of when I play.
0: Yeah. Sort of, oh, you know, look, I, I absolutely love it too. Can I do it? Yeah. <laughs> not really (laughs) but it's one of my favorite things as well one of my favorite things as well so how did you get your start was it through uh your late husband was it Mm. well music in playing for um audiences and that kind of thing
1: yeah I mean before that I dabbled and I had my own
0: Um, I bought myself my
1: Fender Stratocaster and didn't know what I was going to do with it because I was evolving. This is as I was getting older, obviously, and I could play. I always had a pretty good ear for music and I could sort of watch. Um, When I was a teenager, I used to just watch what people are doing on TV and I'd try and shape the finger style and I'd work it out and play chords and sort of had, I don't know, some instinct, I guess, and, then I just, I hadn't really sort of been around any other musicians, so by the time I met Steve, then I was really wanting to, you know, sort of crack on and work out how to play lead. Um, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: He sort of set me on that path, and, you know, I mean, I was always fairly motivated to get out and audition for things, even though I didn't feel like I was very well equipped, but he just said, just go out and audition. So, in, you know, I was in, playing in lots of bands in the early 80s, in and around Sydney, and he always just auditioned for, for um rhythm parts to begin with and then just one thing led to another and I was in a band <laughs> and he said, oh, I think I'm a perfect rhythm guitarist. He was. He said, oh, I'm best rhythm guitarist, so you play lead. And that was where I thought, oh, okay, I'll try and, you know, sort of started dabbling that way and just picked up experience over the years, I guess. But, um, yeah.
0: Did Steve teach you like some kind of theory or had you learnt theory before then?
1: No, I hadn't learnt any theory. I sort of knew what the notes of the guitar were and I knew what chords were and the logical things about relative minor keys and, you know, sort of that was just yeah. kind of – I've got it – annoyingly I've got quite a good ear so my ear always cheats and I t- start looking at music and I forget to look at the music and start following the ear. So then yeah. I look up on the page. I go, it's a discipline. I'm, <laughs> But I, I I can't really read I, – I did – learn you know like Mel Bay guitar method for a little while so I sort of started and that was okay but Steve just taught me scales and stuff and sort of how to work around what the chord structure of the song is and that's what I really wanted to know so as soon as I knew that I thought this is it this is where I'm doing. this is I'm off and running now so
0: yeah how important do you think it is for a guitar any guitar player mm-hmm. to be doing scales Oh, well, look, it's all part of the whole thing. So I think
1: if you can't work, I mean, you know, like I say that lightly because I I look at people who can play every scale known to mankind and that style of playing is not my thing at all. Mm. Uh, Like fast and furious scale playing and up and down the neck. Like I I, I appreciate the skill, but it's not how I play. I'm sort of into bending notes and getting good tones out of things. But um, scales are really important. It's all you know, all that stuff's vital to sort of, once you understand at least the basics of how that all works together with your chords and stuff, well, you know, it makes more sense and then you can sort of, but I mean, I can't rattle off to people oh, you know, the Lydian scale and this, that and the other, but I sort of, I know what I'm doing, but I don't always know why it works, which is... Yeah, right, right,
0: yeah. Okay, that's, that's uh, interesting. So... Now, you, your guitar, I've seen you have one that's quite road worn. <laughs> and the same as your amplifier. Now, to <laughs> me, the Vox is it.
1: <laughs> oh, the Vox is it. It's definitely I mean, amazing. I can't
0: lift it, but it's oh. it. <laughs> it's an AC30. I cannot lift it. Oh, my gosh. I've been lifting that AC30.
1: <laughs> of mine up and downstairs and doing. What you it must have some good muscles then. Oh. <laughs> Careful now. I'm getting a bit older in life, so I, I mean it's heavier now because I put uh, Celestian Vintage 30 speakers in it years ago. So it actually gained weight after that. So it's a I can lift it up off the ground into my car. So that's the most important thing. But I don't try to carry it upstairs anymore like I used to when I was young.
0: <laughs> no, no. So that uh, that's an AC 30. You have a Vox AC 30?
1: Yeah, I got lots of things. I <laughs> got
0: so yeah. Lots. You've got lots. So yeah. but is, tell me, is the Vox your favourite?
1: Well, it is my favorite it always was my favorite. It's look, I mean it's I've been playing the Marshall for a long time and practicing with a Steve's old Fender Vibrolux and but I don't I I'm not a fan of Fender amps. God forgive me for saying that because I know <laughs> it is and like I'll be crucified for saying such a thing. Well, but I, I just don't ugh, I don't like them. They they're not my thing. I'm more into the British, you know, sort of Marshall.
0: No, I I totally agree with you too like um you know, there's some Marshall and Fender amps around here. And I'm just like, Yeah, they don't do much for mm-hmm. me, but give me my Vox. <laughs> and it's like, Yeah, that's the sound. And and you know, the Vox paired with the Gretsch, you know, Gretsch <laughs> yeah. guitar. What yeah. more can you ask for? Yeah. Um now so you have your fender. So that's you still have the original fender that you purchased when you were younger? Yeah, I do. Um I bought that. Um,
1: in 1982 Um, actually funny I still got that one that's it's kind of what I call now the green guitar I've got Steve's the old, really road-worn one, which belonged to Steve, the 72 Strat, which is just the best guitar in the entire world. And then there's a blue D Strat, which was his as well. So it's a 1980, and that's tuned to E generally. So that's one of my side guitars. And my own guitar, the the original Green Strat, that I usually use for A tuning. But um, uh-huh. they're both really, really super heavy guitars, That the two blue ones, bluey-green ones. And um, so... That's
0: largely why they're
1: better better to be delegated to slide because they're heavy
0: if you're singing all
1: night and you know wear you out, kind of thing. So,
0: yeah, so what would they be made from? Do you know? Because I know most fenders are made from older or swamp ash. Yeah, I think I'm not sure, but I think they're ash, but they're yeah, very, right. very heavy.
1: Um, they're beautiful. Like, but when I bought my fender strat, I bought it from Gaslight Music back then, and um. It turned out to be one of the international series guitars. I didn't even know that until recently, which is a release of Fender guitars that they released at that era in uh, all sorts of bright colors, like they had blue and the one I've got is actually Maui blue, faded uh-huh, uh-huh. to green now. So um, and there was a, like a yellow one and an orange one. So that was an interesting discovery because I had no clue when I bought it. But um, yeah. so it's sort of a bit rare, but. It it was it's a beautiful guitar too, but it's very bright, like nearly takes your head off. So, it's... <laughs> and does she have a name? Mm, strangely not. I don't. I've carved Steve's name into that before we got married, so it could be <laughs> it's a tribute to him. But I don't really name them. Just, it people ask me that too, but I just think, oh, I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and have you got a lot of guitars besides the ones that you've kind of uh, that's come mm-hmm. from Steve?
1: No. Um, no, I'm a, I've got well, I've got Steve's mahogany Telecaster that he used to play when he was because the, the strat he bought that strat that I played, the the road worn one he bought it in 1972 new when he was about 14 or 15. Oh wow, yep. So I paid 400 bucks for it back then, and he played it. You know, as along with other things. Um, but he he played that for most of his gigs, I guess, for a while, and then. He recorded on it in the Bombers and Black Cat Moan, and then he—I don't know what—I don't really know why—but he ended up buying this Telecaster, and he bought it from Rory O'Donoghue, um, who since passed away. But um, it's a—he loved the Telecaster. He was really, he, and I mean, it's—it's it's a really rock and guitar. Um, but I just don't get the sound out of that like it it's fun i don't play it because it just doesn't feel right and i'm not a telecaster fan either i know they're no. great i'm used to strats so i like the weight of a strat and the way it feels and tellies are sort of heavy on one end and they don't feel right to me but
0: yeah now it being mahogany would it be even heavier yeah it's pretty heavy it's not as heavy as the the
1: um the other strats that i play for slide guitar but it is pretty heavy but um steve's i i used to always just play my original own strat and then i know one day back in the 90s when steve was out teaching and i had to go for a rehearsal or something and before i went to go my guitar something went wrong with the electrics in it or something and um i was panicking and he said oh well why don't you take the take the old strat and so i took that and played it and I I don't know why I'd played it before but just it was like all the pennies dropped and I just went oh my god this is the best guitar it's just built for my hands it's got a better neck on it than anything else it's got a nice thin neck Mm -hmm. and the weight of it's beautiful and it's just got it's so much soul in that guitar and I thought and he didn't he used it as a spare guitar so he wasn't fast so I'd been playing that guitar pretty much as mine since about 1996.
0: Oh wow now interesting did you get did you were you successful in that um, audition?
1: I cannot remember.
0: <laughs> Might have been a rehearsal um, or <laughs> rehearsal. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, that's yeah. so cool. So, <laughs> um, so Steve had a couple of bands of his own, and they were the Bombers and the.
1: Oh, Black Cat Man. They
0: weren't his bands. He was in those bands. Oh, he was in those bands,
1: yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's in lots of bands. Like his earliest band that people might know I didn't know him when he was in these bands, but he's in a band called Topaz, which was on I've heard
0: of those, yep. yeah. Yeah, that, that band.
1: Really Early on, um, and they got he had a song on countdown and stuff and then I mean, he was in all sorts of – he was in a band called Intermission with a friend of his called Hillary, who was a great singer back in the day and they did lots of club work and stuff and he, like everyone else, he was, you know, teaching guitar and playing in whatever gigs he could get and then he joined – he he um was in a band called The Ideal Husbands or Fandango actually I think it was with Bob Spencer mm-hmm. in the 80s and – um you know, lots of how that bands always morph and become other things and branch off and
2: he,
1: he ended up in Black Cat Moan which was like a bunch of um, him and his musicians, Wayne Jury on on vocals and um, I don't know if you know Wayne but he lives in Melbourne now but he's an awesome singer. Yeah, uh, I've, heard, I've
0: heard
1: him, yes. Yeah, so that was that was the genealogy of that band and, you know, um, Peter Heckenberg on drums and so Peter Heckenberg and Steve ended up in the Bombers and the Bombers was by Alan Lancaster and John Brewster, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the Angels. So that yeah, yeah. But the Bombers it was my favourite band.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now that being your favourite band, however, you had a very successful or have a very successful band of your own
1: well, are you talking about what I'm doing now or previously? or
0: I mean, it sort of morphed into one thing anyway. I started
1: off, I was always in other bands, like I, I was in lots of bands, obviously, and as a guitar player and, you know, didn't have any desire to sing or, you know, whatever. But I really just got kind of jack of doing songs that the singer wanted to do.
0: I are going to do I wanted to do. So um, So you've you've formed your own band? Pretty much, yeah. So that's how that came about. And And that that's Crofts.
1: Yeah, it was originally Croft's Town Traffic, a silly play on the Jimi Hendrix song, obviously. Did Mm it spoke and then it stuck and it's it's a pain in the neck to try and explain it to people. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. It was Seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> now, um, I I've, I've wanted to ask you this question because I know that you went over. Is it the Netherlands you went to, or where uh, you're from? No, Norway. Oh, Norway. Sorry. Yeah. Um, now I know you took a guitar with you. How does it travel? Oh, look, I don't part with them. I took two guitars.
1: Like I, I like to make my life tough. That's all I can <laughs> say. <laughs> make it as tough as possible but um look because they're so precious to me and because I really hate playing other guitars like because they're so I don't know it sounds I admire people that can just walk up and pick up a guitar and go oh this is fine this will do but that's not me I just my guitars are set up and I need them to be my guitars for me to play them mm-hmm. and so I didn't want to part with them and I thought the only what I do is take the necks off them and I just take them on board in soft cases. We wrapped in as much bubble wrap and stuff as I can work out. Right. It is stressful and it's really hard work because they're very heavy, even out of their cases. And when you're running through airports and trying not to miss things, and you know, you, you've got, ugh, it's, it's terrible. A backpack on you and two guitars and. You know, getting through customs and screening every time you get on and off a plane—it's it can be problematic. But
0: have they ever thought that it was um, something other than a guitar in your bag?
1: No, they don't.
0: It's not like that. But
1: because my guitars have got preamp switches in them, stuff like that. I, um, you know, a couple of times they because they have got, got a nine volt battery under the strap. But um, when I went to America, when we did that Memphis thing earlier this year, I took the batteries out because I thought going to America, you know, they're much more sort of... strict. yeah. Uh, yeah, they're quite frightening at going yeah. through customs over there. I don't you feel bad. But I took them out and I still got pulled apart. But they just, I don't know, they just like to make your life hard, I think. And So, so, they, they,
0: so, the, so the guitars survived the trip, they go all back together the right way? miraculously they do it's a stress in itself wondering about that
1: stuff because um but you know you got to weigh up the stress because there's no way i'd trust that to the belly
0: of my plane oh god no so let's talk about the memphis trip a little bit how can you tell me how or tell the listeners how that all came about please
1: well it was a random thing last year um you know it was just i uh, it was The Blues Challenge is what it is, the International Blues Challenge. And I've never actually applied to do it in the past. And for some reason, it just struck me. And I found out on the last day um, before the entries closed last year that um, it was on. And I just got a brainwave and I called the bass player and drummer and just said, Are you guys interested if I put in an application? (laughs) So we did it. um, And, you know, there weren't many bands in the competition. So we did win um, the Sydney leg and we um, got to go to Memphis. But it was fun, you know, it was awesome a really exciting time
0: absolutely and how did you find playing with international other international blues players
1: well it's all very full-on and competitive so you know look I went over there with the greatest of hope but just knowing full well that we are not that kind of blues band um so but you know you go there and you think you never know they all say oh Judges might want this on one day and that on another day, so just do what you do. So we did what we did, and it went over well. We had a great time playing, but um, they, they lots of the other bands take it really seriously, and they're all dressed up to the nines in there, you know, looking like blues artists from the 30s or something. And it's it's amazing. There's just so many acts over there, and you know, it just it's great to see all the different things that are going on. But um, you know, we just we were probably the different ones because we did my my brand of blues rock which is what it is (laughs) Mm -hmm. played slide guitar and we got some good you know good score like in terms of comments and feedback from the judges but we didn't get through to the finals so we we, um but we played about four four shows while we're there but, um, That's cool.
0: Really well, they're missing out because, you know, Australian artists mm-hmm. were yeah. just as good, if not better, than a lot of international artists.
2: Well,
1: Frank Sultana won the solo, so at least that was a good thing. So uh, yes. I mean, always got her start by I think she won the solo category over there whenever that was years ago. But um I mean he's probably more authentic in the in the in what they're looking for in that regard anyway. But um mm-hmm. he's, so. Yeah, it was it was a really good night. We we seen the other Australian bands was really good as well. The the guys from um Adelaide. Yeah. I think they're what are they called, Sunbears or something. Mm-hmm. But they they a great band, so you know right. a
0: lot of people in their
1: band and <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you tour around at all while you were over there or did you just went for like That section, yeah,
1: we we just because it's winter there at that time of year, too. January, so it's freezing, and we got snowed in and iced in, and missed our flight back and got stranded for a week, which wasn't any fun.
0: Oh, that's right, I remember reading that, yeah, gee,
1: that was that was miserable, but um,
0: yeah, anyway,
1: (laughs) it felt like we might never get home, but yeah, we we, none of us had the time really to go off traveling, and yeah, it would have been.
0: yeah, so uh, so you you play the guitars, and you don't. Do you play any other instruments?
1: I play a bit of piano, accordion.
0: Okay, yeah, but um, not not Zydeco.
1: I just <laughs> being of Norwegian and German descent is probably a good reason. It's in my genes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> Uh, I love the accordion
1: and um, people say oh how can you admit to that and I think I don't care oh, I am who I am I love it I think it's an awesome
0: instrument yeah that's for sure and it certainly takes skill yeah well so. I,
1: I don't play it like I'm not a professional by any means it's just mum could play a bit um she loved the music and she taught herself to play accordion and then when I was about 10 or 11 or something I wanted to learn and she showed me and you know, can play a handful of songs, but I pick it up once in a while just to play it and remember my mum usually. Oh,
0: isn't that lovely? That's really lovely actually, <laughs> yeah. really lovely. So you you play a slide on your strats. Yeah. Do you have a Dobro at all?
1: No. Nah, I I bought a cheapish one probably, I don't know, a while ago, probably 10 years or so back, and as try as I may, I didn't like it. Like I'm, I'm a funny animal because I I don't like acoustic guitars
0: oh okay
1: (laughs) yeah I know what everyone's going this chick's a maniac but uh, I just look I love other I like I like listening to it I love you know like Hawaiian slacky guitar music and I like Ian Moss playing he can play anything but like he he can play acoustic guitar but I don't have the desire like I just I think I know what I like and this is what I like and it's got to be electric and I like a band
0: well there you go yeah absolutely (laughs) and you really got to do what uh makes you feel joy too
1: that's it that's what it's like and I I can't pretend to be something other than I am and I don't you know everyone says oh but you should and you could do this and you're like yeah but I like cranking it out and I love tone and I like electric guitars you don't get that out of
0: it yeah and so do you I didn't lose you there no I didn't (laughs) um so you said you're not a singer. Is Have you ever tried singing? Oh, I sing. Like, I mean, I do sing, but what I meant was when I
1: formed that band, I had not sung before. and Ah, uh, okay. Of, yep. So, you know, like um, I definitely don't have some big powerful blues mama voice, but, you know, there again, it's sort of like I've, over the years when your confidence takes a bit of a beating or something and you get the brainwave to try someone else in the band, like we, somebody said, oh, why don't you get this guy? And it was a really good singer that Steve knew. Mm-hmm. You know, it just doesn't feel right. It's just because my music is my music, if you know what I mean. like it's, Yeah, I do,
0: yeah. I don't know. Mm. I'm- <laughs> so what, what advice would you give to any young guitarist or middle-aged guitarist starting mm-hmm. out? Well, um, do you mean starting out as in learning or starting out? Uh, yeah, starting their journey with guitar or halfway through their their journey it doesn't matter what would be your advice to newbie guitarists
1: well I don't know that's a tricky question because I mean I think obviously there's all the obvious things that you need to learn as much as you can and develop your ear as best you can because I mean you know I, I but look I think the thing that I learned really quickly when I was young I started You know, you can see people on YouTube any five minutes just throwing their hair back and going, I can play anything. And they're mimicking every guitarist on the planet and playing solos note for note. And I think that's amazing. It's clever and it's very talented to be able to do that. But I think the sooner you realise that you are you and you need to develop your style and just go off on your, like, I know, I think stop trying to be someone else is probably what I'm saying. I don't want like someone else I want to be me but I like the fact that all these other people in you know so many different guitar players and musical styles have influenced what I do and why I play the way I play but I'd love to think that I've got my own sound and style.
0: Absolutely absolutely I love players and people that you can be out somewhere not even in the venue and your ear picks up yeah. <laughs> them to ta- them playing and it's like I know exactly who that is. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's just your little
1: stamp on it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So now your the genre that you like the best would be blues rock, yes?
1: I guess so. I guess it's it's a melding of things, but it's you know, I, I try to describe my music, but I think blues rock is the most apt fitting description um I love blues but I'm not interested in playing all the slow blues and the really you know the the what most people think of as blues I like I like energy in my music but I, I like a bit of Tex-Mex and that sort of flavor as well so I think uh-huh. that but yeah I suppose blues rock is the the probably most likely obvious thing that I do and what comes out of me
0: yeah have you got any funny stories from when you've been on the road
1: um the funniest thing that ever happened to me was my amp caught fire on stage
0: <laughs> your amplifier oh my well, goodness
1: speaker caught fire it was in the AC30 <laughs> oh no that was a long time ago that was when I was in the middle of a gig and I, I was playing some swampy solo <laughs> and I was looking at the audience and you know it was a dark room and it was just one of those pubs where you're down on the same level as everybody else and I, I started to think wow that's a really good tone where's that coming from <laughs> The uh, amp's on fire! I looked about there was orange glow behind the grill cloth. I thought, "Oh, geez, we've got a problem." I stopped playing and went and tipped the amp over on its face and put out the
0: fire. Oh my goodness.
1: Did the uh, audience
0: think that that was part oh, of the show?
1: I, everyone thought it was hilarious. Like it was so funny, but we we're only literally about five minutes up the road from home. So Steve went home and got me another amp and we kept playing. But <laughs> it was
0: it was. Oh, quite- what a good man. Short break. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh, just break and go home and get another amp.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. That's funny, isn't it? Oh. It, was, it was a good one. <laughs> yeah. And did it need much repair?
1: No, not really. It was just um, interesting enough that was a two-speaker set that um, Steve had put. Um, he had the same thing happen in his Fender Vibralux. It was like he had two speakers, are both Celestian speakers, but he had one of them caught fire in his own amp before we got married, like – three mm. years before or something, and the same he was at a rehearsal and it caught fire. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, there must have been a fault in both of those speakers because miraculously then I had the same thing happen to me with the other speaker that he wasn't using. Mm. Yeah, so I don't know why, but I don't know how many times people have speakers catch fire, but it was quite funny.
0: Actually, probably more than what you think. Yeah. I've had, prob- a, I've had a few people say, oh, you know, the... Um, the foldback caught fire or the amplifier caught fire and it's just like, wow, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. actually pushing them to the max, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was probably playing too loud as usual. <laughs> no, never. So now I know um, you play at home quite a lot. Uh, yeah. What do the neighbours, do they, they love it? I mean, I would love it personally if it was me, but do the neighbours ever comment? Well, I've just moved probably
1: five months ago to a townhouse now, so it's a very frustrating different story, but my last house that I was living in, I lived there for so long, 17 years, and it was the best place. It was on a corner, Mm -hmm. um, and I could play guitar. Look, I mean, I don't play like at volumes that people would want to call the police, but people my neighbors would say oh I heard you playing guitar it was beautiful but um in 17 years I never had anyone complain about it and you know it's not like I'm cranking it all night long and having parties it's just uh, but I could and you couldn't hear it that much from outside the house anyway because of the house and the way it was set up but I, I loved that house for that but now I'm in this situation where I can't really play loud and it's can't play loud at all so I'm trying to work out a room to play in and soundproof it a bit so I can just get back to a bit more relaxed
0: practising. Yeah, that's actually what I was going to suggest, maybe soundproof it. You can get soundproofing panels, you know. Yeah,
1: it's a bit of a – there's a lot going on, so that's it's definitely on my to-do list, but, um,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. What's the best live act you've ever seen?
1: Oh, well. Australian
0: a- or overseas? Well, I mean, the Bombers were a great band
1: back in the day, obviously, and probably I'm biased, but they were a sensational band and everyone that knows them agrees. So those gigs were special. But, I mean, Ian Moss is always so good. Like, you can't go wrong seeing an Ian Moss concert. He's just a sensational guitar player and singer and his band is amazing. So I've seen him a couple of times recently. Um, and and like i always go away feeling like I've had a religious experience after his shows. Oh wow, that's so, something special. Yeah, he, he's brilliant. He's just so good. Um, so it, it, you can't really go and. But there again, I like his electric concerts. Not so much the acoustic acoustic ones. He's great at it, but you know it's more my I'm, I'm electric girl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but and I love the band called the Mavericks from. America. They're my favorite band in the world besides, you know, different, different bands altogether. but they, they've got about eight people in the band. So they're, they're like a country band, I suppose. Alternate country band plays a lot of, you know, Tex-Mex and sort of Cuban flavors, but I mean, they get off on that Cuban stuff a bit, so that's. but I love that band and I saw them. They've been to Australia twice but they probably will never come back by the look of it, but they are a sensational band to see live because they just literally radiate joy and the musicianship's incredible Um, and they're all, there's like there's accordions and trumpets and it's a great band and I guess that's another level to
0: me. Yeah, it's a big production it sounds, you know. Yeah.
1: Just such a good band, though, like, and, and oh, yeah, it's got everything going on. It, it's, yeah, I can't even describe it, but I, I was blown away when I saw them. Um, so that, and just, they're such a, such a good band, so talented. Everyone in the band is just so talented and so, it's, they're so wrapped in what they do. It just, you know, I don't like seeing bands where they look like they're miserable and they're sort of so wrapped up in their seriousness, but they're, mm-hmm. they're a very cool band.
0: Now speaking about that band being having a large number of members,
2: mm.
0: how do you? What is your? I guess where do you sit? Do you like a bigger band or one that's just you know, maybe four members?
1: Oh look, I mean, I'm I'm I work as a three piece, but there's there's all sorts of things, good and bad about it all. I guess I mean. The bigger the band, the more can go wrong, I suppose. But the more, um, like it, it's obviously more quality when you have more more depth and backing and you know layering of instruments. It's it's always a a more raw event when there's only three people in a band and or four. You know, four is probably better than three in a lot of ways because at least you can like in my case, it's just you know I could have a rhythm guitarist or I could have a keyboard player, but it just never happened that way. Um, mm-hmm always you're not getting paid a lot of money but i i guess you know um i've seen lots of bands i love john mayer so that's another actually really good band live act that i saw so he's always got you know a few people in his band so keyboards and oh i forgot another one who was awesome was keith urban
0: oh yeah he is he's I, quite good oh i
1: love that concert i saw that I know, probably either just before or just after I got back from Memphis and I've never sort of taken much notice of Keith and my son likes him. He said, oh, we should go and I was blown away. He's so good.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really interesting. I I guess too having a more stripped back either three-piece or four-piece, in my opinion uh, uh, and what do you think is that it makes you – Uh, one it lifts you up but it also makes you more precise in what you're doing because it make because it's stripped back you can't hide
1: yeah you can't that's for sure
0: (laughs) you know so I think that um in that kind of scenario it actually makes you better
1: yeah I guess I mean I I think that's and and everyone loves a, a you know like what they call a power trio but um I, I, you're right. That, that's, a, that's the obvious thing. Is you, um, you can't really hide, and it's. I mean, it, it's easy and it works well for blues rock stuff. So I think that's its natural sort of progression. Anyway, is to you know, bass drums and guitar and a vocalist. But I guess sometimes bands are only that, but they have another person singing. So they might have bass drums and guitar and a fourth person singing. So they're just the same. They just got four people, but it's only the same amount of Instruments. players yeah um but i've been thinking about you know trying out a keyboard player because i feel like you know could embellish some of the original songs that i'm doing and stuff like that too because i often don't get to do all my originals because of well for lots of reasons but because you know you do put rhythm tracks and stuff down when you're recording but then mm. you do things and it would take a bit of the pressure off me because you know Singing and playing guitar is hard work a lot of the time, especially if you're not a big, powerful sort of person like me. I'm a bit of a runt.
0: <laughs> oh, I wouldn't say that at all. But um, as a as a vocalist myself and playing guitar, I can uh, I found it e- easier to do one or the other. But now, the last probably year, yep. I've been playing and singing together, and my lord, it takes some work. It does. And see, I wasn't naturally gifted at that in the beginning either. I, f- I had to work
1: hard to be able to sing and play. Some, Interestingly, some rhythms are quite easy to sing and play, but if it's a yeah. bit of conflicting rhythm to what the vocal pattern is, it can be tricky.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Have you ever had any vocal lessons?
1: Yeah, I have. I did, did have lessons here and there. So um, yeah, I mean, I sort of know what I'm doing to some extent I just don't have the natural big pipes that one would all hope to have but um I mean I sound like a 10 year old when I talk and I sound like like a 10 year old oh no
0: <laughs> I think look you mm. make the best of what you've got yeah that's and you don't always have to have a big powerful voice for blues because very understated um and sweet sound can be just as enthralling
1: yeah well I think I just come across more like a bit of a rock chick with a country rock sort of thing like uh, my voice is a lot more country rock than it is blues that's for sure but then the music I play is not really blues as in like you know you know like Etta James or any of that sort of stuff it's not that's not what I do anyway so Mm-mm. I mean, we crank out a lot of um, pub rock covers when we do most gigs because you get into that territory when people start rocking out. So, Yeah,
0: that's for sure, yeah. I I love all that stuff too but, um, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, geez, the question just escaped me. Isn't that funny? So you've recorded some music of your own, of your own uh, writing. Yeah. So I think we'll take this moment, if you're willing, and we'll insert one of your mp3s in so the listeners can hear it Away. Okay, so the other thing I'd like to ask you, Christina, is have you ever given guitar lessons?
1: Not officially. Um, I have given a couple of people here and there a, a guitar lesson, like for, you know, one when Steve was teaching but when he was getting to the stage of his illness where it was a bit hard for him. There was a couple of guitarists that were coming for a little while so he asked me to teach you know, there I, I was a young girl that we knew who was only about 16 or something. She, you know, Steve couldn't do it for whatever reason a couple of nights in a row. So I taught her for a little while. But, you know, it's uh, it's, it's hard to teach someone when you don't know your theory. So, I mean, you know, I can teach people what I know and impart my knowledge. But, I, you know, if they want to learn notes and stuff, like that, I'll probably find another guitar teacher.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but I think uh, I think people go to teachers or click with other musicians if they like what they do. It's not necessarily about theory, but the feel and yeah. the, the way you construct your music is what draws them. Yeah. Well,
1: interesting. I forgot to. I gave my. It sounds funny, but I gave my vet a few guitar lessons. <laughs> 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 he said, oh, "I didn't know you play guitar, Chris. I'd love to play guitar." And so he, I he went around to the uh, to um he he couldn't play at all, and he's left-handed. But I loaned him an old acoustic guitar so he could muck around on that. But he he was a classic example of what you just said. Like he was very um, happy just to show him how to play some chords because he'd gone and had some lessons, but he found that it wasn't helping him. But I said, sometimes I think that it's sort of easier. and makes it makes people feel better if they can just learn to play something straight away, you know.
0: Absolutely. It kind of makes people uh, want to do more, learn more, gives them the bug. Yeah, it feels like they're making some progress
1: if they can play two or three simple chords. And then I started just playing a little bit of simple lead guitar over it and he was just going, oh, this is so good, you know, he thought it was amazing. So.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. So... What is up next for you or your band? We have
1: a couple of gigs coming up, but um, uh, I actually, I don't know if you're aware, but I also play in Ita and the Choir Girls, so there's a Cold Chisel band that's all girls that do some Cold Chisel songs. Um, So we have a gig coming up on the 30th of September, but um, as for me, we're currently just trying to piece together, we did got together and recorded some video of our songs for the purpose of trying to put together another promotional video so that we can start trying to get yet again, try to get more work.
0: Yeah. yeah, And so that's coming up on the 30th of September. And where would that be at? Piedmont
1: Bridge Hotel.
0: Nice. And, how do you find getting the gig? do you, are you the one who gets yes. the gigs or is there someone other it is it's if you don't know people it's um a lot of ringing around and emailing that isn't is, it you know and I've been playing this
1: game for a long time but I think since covid you know we, we all lost a lot of the regular gigs that we were doing um so everything fell apart a little bit after that and I have not been able to manage to really get totally back on top of it so um you know it's, but I, it's not like I don't want to, but um, now I'm getting friends are ringing up saying, why don't you try this pub up at Newcastle? They'd like you. And, you know, it's it's a lot of weirdness goes on in that part of the music scene as well. So that... It,
0: it is. It absolutely is.
1: <laughs> there is. Someone, someone, like a gig finder type manager, not someone to say, you know, change me up and tell me what I have to be, but just you really need someone doing that for you to make it it's hard to sort of sell yourself, that's what I find.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. I, I know myself, um, it's a lot of, not so much legwork as to speak, but a lot of emailing, a lot of calling, a lot of making connections with the people that you're calling yeah. as well. And then, you know, they just remember you because you're so persistent yeah. and they give you a call back. Yeah, so, yeah it, it is one of those things, isn't it? And have you found that... Um, and I, I don't want to go into the amounts of money, but have you found that pre-COVID it was more money or less money than now? Oh, probably just the
1: same in as far you know. The uh, In Sydney is always pretty terrible, In if I can be blunt, but, you know, like mm. the gigs that I do at least, but, you know, like they're, you know, no better than they were before COVID. It's not better, it's not worse. It just seems like it never changes year in and year out. Everything else changes except for that. Um, But when I went over to Norway, you know, then you realise how much different you are treated as a musician in another country because it's next level in terms of just the respect and the way they look after their bands and the amount of money you get paid. It's like unbelievable.
0: (laughs) Wow. And, you know, I know we all play and sing because we love it and gig because we love it. But, you know, it's nice to get that recognition of a few well-earned dollars as well. A lot
1: of uh, yeah. You put Being a lot hun- of effort into what you do.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so in uh, Norway, so you, you mentioned about the respect that musicians are given. Uh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Because I haven't known anything different than Sydney. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, in that I don't way. I not mean to bag Sydney. It's not all
1: bad, like, but. No, 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 no. So no. it's just. It's just different. Well, you know, like example of Australian gigs too, like some gigs, most gigs especially, not not places like probably Lazy Bones and all those ones that are actual proper venues, which is great to see so many of those things popping up, you know, because that's changing the game a fair bit, I think, and it's a good sign. But venues where it's basically a pub and they always have a blues band on Sunday night or whatever, nine times out of ten, you're the person going in there. You know, I have my own PA. You're doing all of that. There's never a PA, and if it is, it's not a very good one. Um, and you have to go and move all the tables off the stage area and shift furniture around to bring your stuff in. And, I mean, that to me, that stuff, and I've been doing that all my life as a musician, uh, and you're playing underneath the TV with the sports going.
0: Yeah, I kind of don't like that myself. But yeah, the lugging of the gear—it's incredible, isn't it? It like, is. And and saying that, um, some places—and I've only ever been caught once because I said to my husband, "I'm never being caught out again with a with a venue's um, PA." Uh, never ever. Couldn't hear ourselves. Yeah, disgusting. Uh, couldn't hear ourselves, it was just like pointed the wrong yep. way, couldn't work out the mixing desk which come out of the ark with yep. Noah and I just said to him I'm never, ever, ever doing no, that
1: again. No, I don't. I'm, that's what I'm in mean about when I said earlier I make life hard for me but I will take everything of mine rather than trust that their PA is going to be adequate. Some venues you know are like Lazy Bones has got an awesome sound system and a mixer. I do yes. venues yeah. like that are great. Um, there's other ones around that have got a smaller PA, but they're uh, like Butcher's Brew is a great little venue too, and it's a, but it's a smaller setup, but it's still more than adequate for the room. But you know, a lot of like you said, some of them they are literally like four little channels on a tiny little mixing desk slider, and you can't even get a vocal above a band. Like
0: yes, and and that's a big problem too, I believe, because. It's all got to be mixed so the levels are yeah. all equal. Yeah, well, see, I've got
1: my, I've got a really good vocal PA. It's an oldie, but it's a, it's a good system, and you know, it's loud enough. For a reasonably big room and you can still get a good sound quiet out of it if it's a smaller room, but it's good quality. Like it's not, and it's easy to manage. You don't need, you know, it's basic. Like it's not having a a sound guy up there getting getting an awesome band, but it's just a vocal PA. So it's not like you're mixing all your instruments through it, but Mm -hmm. vocal sound above a band, what's the point? (laughs) You can't, you know, it's not going to sound good. And they, they just think, oh, I think, the frustration is that generally musicians and bands just seem to be the afterthought for most venues, like, you know.
0: Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. isn't it? So I, I gather in Norway and even, and what about America as well, they're more state of the art, so to speak, or they take mm. uh, more care, would you say? No, or? I don't,
1: I don't, definitely not, I'm not familiar with too much what goes on in America, but, I mean, I know people are playing a lot over there, but they have the lack of, they just play for what gets thrown in a bucket by the audience, most of them They might get twenty bucks each from the venue, and then the rest is pass the hat around, which I don't like either. I just think mm. but and anyway, i no. uh, the venues that we played in Norway were particularly uh, like blues venues, and they you know seem to sell it as a blues thing it's a ticketed event they have it's it's all seated and respectful, which is I'm sort of That stuff is sort of a bit unusual to me too because I'm used to playing more pub rock, so I sort of do like crowds where I'm up on stage and there's a crowd dancing and that's the vibe I really love, like where people are into it. Uh, I like it and I know it's that different level of appreciation where they're sitting and being, you know, quite respectful and watching the band intently, but just the, the PAs were great the musicians that I used over there were great and used They learnt all this stuff, you know, like I hadn't met them even before I got there, so I just sent them a list of songs and MP3s. And But, you know, the, the, all the venues were so accommodating and the accommodation was paid for and a good fee and they have a green room at the back, so they were looking after you and feeding you and making sure everything's right and, you know, it's sort of not different.
0: Yeah, it's, it must it must have been really nice to be treated It was like great. That.
1: It was just like a shock. You think, wow. This is
0: <laughs> <laughs> And and there's also something to be said too for I think uh, the patrons of a pub or club when they're up and dancing because it makes you like lifts you up more it as does, well. Yeah. And um, you know, the the feedback and the and the energy yeah. it goes both ways yeah
1: it's a learning curve when you start playing to more bluesy crowds that are seated and you know that that's I, I struggle with it and it's not like I don't like it but it's different and it's that because like all these years I've always played to crowds where they're quite wild and rocking. like so I get a, I get a <laughs> bit wild and rockin myself in these gigs you know like <laughs> It's, yeah oh that's that's what I like like I'm in that that I'm happy with that that's I like it when it's going off
0: <laughs> I, yeah yeah that's your that's your groove there Christina. yeah
1: I do have a fair bit of natural energy so I'm sort of <laughs> I, if I was out seeing a band I'd want to be up dancing and rocking so
0: oh absolutely absolutely there's nothing like live music is there of any genre no really? that's right it's great yeah. Anyway, Christina, I oh, thank you so much for being part of the podcast uh, this thank week. You. And um, once again, you're playing with. Uh, sorry, what is the band you're playing with on the 30th of September at the Piermont? It's Aita
1: and the Choir Girls. It's um, Fran Little, who she's got Big Mama and the Hang Band Band. So she's yep. a singer, but the, it's a great bunch of female musicians who play Cold Chisel songs. But it's slightly different different to just you know, playing cold chisel songs. It's very interactive. So Fran's great on stage, and she gets the crowd singing along. And sort of, it's it's got a slightly audience-oriented uh, approach in that regard. So
0: wonderful. And is that ticketed, or can
1: anybody uh, just rock I think, up? I think anyone can just rock up. I think it's um, the Piermont Bridge Hotel is having some anniversary. I don't know how many years, but that is Saturday the thirtieth. I think we start at five till about eight. Um, but I, I I don't know whether it's twenty or thirty year anniversary or whatever it is. But um, anyway, that might maybe there'll be other things on. But I better find out for sure. If,
0: yeah, have you? Is there a Facebook event that people can look up? Um,
1: I don't know. Piermont Bridge Hotel probably has its own Facebook, and they I, I'll find out. Can I give you that information later? <laughs>
0: Yeah, sure, <laughs> just so people, this, just so the listeners can go, oh, you know, that's interesting, I'd like to have a little look yep. at, you know, you guys and what you look like and then they might come along. So yep. um, we'll just see. We can post a link yep. uh, in the description yep. of the show So if if there's one. So if not, yeah, that might be worth um doing, I think. Yeah,
1: sorry, I was off guard with yeah. that because I wasn't thinking I'd be talking about that gig but then I did. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's fine. Is there anything else you have coming up besides that um,
1: gig? Not before that one. Um, after that, we have a gig at Piermont Bridge Hotel. I think we've got a November one there on a Sunday afternoon, and then we're playing at Miss Seely's again in I think it's early December. But I can give you those dates too if you like. Once a
0: yeah, sure. I think we'll get some links, <laughs> or I'll put it in the description anyway. Yeah, um, we'll later on.
1: Yeah. on my I've got a website just christinacrofts.com. dot com, but um,
0: well, I'll put the link up for that actually. So that might be really good. All right, then, Christina. Well, thank you so much for taking the time um, with speaking with me. It's been really great. And uh, I love your energy. And <laughs> you're such a lovely lady. Oh, and um, quite interesting, I think, and quite inspiring. Oh, too. thanks. Um, thanks
1: for thinking <laughs> of me.
0: <laughs> uh, anytime. I'd love to have you back on um, sometime in the future. Okay, maybe. sounds good. We'll let
1: gets out there into the universe and i'll um but i'll give you those links and stuff tonight
0: right yeah that'd be fine all right then thank you christina Thanks, Crystal. take care you too good night no, no. bye i think i'd like to play one more of christina's tracks called like we used to Wasn't that a fabulous track that was? Live like we used to, Christina Cross. Well, that's the end of another interview for this evening. You have been listening to Conversations with Crystal and I'm your hostess, Crystal. Next week we have another fabulous guest. So until then, please stay happy, stay safe stay awesome stay cool but most of all stay tuned to this channel have a good night